This is a Rooster Teeth production. Christmas Eve, 1971. Lanza Flight 508 leaves Lima, Peru for a domestic trip to Iquitos, Peru, one of the last flights before Christmas. On board the Lockheed L-188A electro-turboprop plane are six crew members and 86 passengers. About 40 minutes into the flight, there's a flash of light on the right wing, followed by an explosion. The plane nosedives and begins to fall apart. A young woman is sucked out of a hole and finds herself free-falling 21,000 feet to the ground below, still strapped into her seat. Somehow, she survives. But when she awakens, she's in the middle of the Amazon jungle, miles from civilization, completely alone. How did she survive this fall? Did she make it out of the jungle safely? And what happened to the plane and the rest of the passengers? Find out on this episode of Black Box Down. Hello, and welcome to Black Box Down. I'm Chris, and with me is... Gus? Yeah, I was waiting for okay. you to say oh, Gus. I, 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 <laughs> I thought, I thought, I thought I you were like, introduce me. No, no, I wanted you to go, Gus. Gus. <laughs> there you go. We're uh, switching roles once again, and I'm telling Gus about a plane accident. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I, I, I know very little of this, and I've heard uh, a few people have uh, written in asking us to cover this incident. I, all I know is about the, uh, the woman who fell out of a plane into the Amazon. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty crazy story. And it's amazing uh, that she survived that fall. But we're going to get into like how she survived and what the deal is with that plane. Well, it's a good thing she was wearing her seatbelt. Yeah. So the woman that we're talking about today is uh, Julian Koopkik. And I'm, I'm sure I did not pronounce that correctly. But that doesn't I, sound like an English name to me. No, no. I think she's German. Ah. She was only 17 when she boarded that flight in 1971. I hope you're about to say she was still 17 when she landed as well. Yeah, yeah, she was still 17. <laughs> she didn't have a birthday over... There's no, like, Stephen <laughs> King element to the yeah. story. She landed and she was 45. <laughs> this isn't lost. Uh, so uh, she was traveling with her mother, and they were trying to meet up with her father for Christmas Eve. Due to the weather, there were a lot of canceled flights that day, so Julianne was... Felt lucky that they were able to get on board the plane, despite being a little nervous because Lance Airlines didn't have a great reputation for safety, Uh which we'll get into a little later. Have you ever heard of Lanza Airlines? I have heard of Lanza. Uh, I've never flown them. I believe it's a South American airline, so I've never had the opportunity to fly them, but I have heard of them. Yeah. I'm not surprised you haven't flown them. (laughs) So uh, the plane took off from Lima with no issues and climbed to its cruising altitude of 21,000 feet. There were three people in Julian's row. It was Julian, her mom, and some man that she didn't know. Uh, About 20 minutes into the flight, the aircraft encountered some thunderstorms and severe turbulence. However, the pilots decided to continue their flight path, likely due to pressures to keep up with the busy holiday schedule. Rather than delay yeah. or yeah, cancel. Real fast, I want to say that I looked it up. Lance stopped flying in 1972, yeah. so that would explain why I've never flown yeah. with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've been gone for a long time. I, was, I started wondering, like, when, have I ever seen yeah. a Lance plane? <laughs> I haven't even seen one. Okay. Sorry, I don't want to mean to sidetrack. Just got curious. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, yeah, there's a reason you haven't flown it. <laughs> so the plane traveled deeper into the storms, and thunder and lightning was constantly going off all around the plane. 
And then about 40 minutes into the flight, uh, Julian saw a blinding bright light on the right wing, and it was a direct lightning strike on one of the plane's engines. Mm. And then it ignited the fuel tank. Well, that's no good. No. So then she watched from the window in her seat uh, 19F as the right wing was ripped off of the plane, and then the entire aircraft began to basically fall apart in the air, and the plane plummeted straight down towards Amazon jungle. Awful. And she was aware that she remembers all of this, I guess, if she's telling the story. She said she remembers hearing her mother screaming, this is the end. Oh, my God. And then she found herself suspended in midair outside of the plane, still in her seat. Wow. She said... This is a quote. It was not so much that she left the plane, but that the plane had left her. Interesting. I mean, that's a interesting philosophy, interesting way to approach it. Like suddenly she was in the plane. All of a sudden she wasn't in the plane anymore. The plane just disappeared. That, that does sound like lost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then she fell from the sky and she looked over and saw that the two seats next to her were empty. And then the last thing she remembers before blacking out was spinning faster and faster and faster as she fell to the earth. Wow. So you said, I mean, she fell from 21,000 feet, if I remember right. So she yeah. may have passed out from hypoxia or like oxygen deprivation. Yeah. Or maybe just shock of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. But at some point she passed out. If that was happening to you, Gus, if you found yourself in, in your seat falling from 21,000, what would you be thinking? Where did the plane go? <laughs> or uh, uh, how about uh, maybe I, I wish I hadn't gotten on the plane? Like, it, it's funny you, you mentioned that she felt lucky to get on the plane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about that sometimes when I'm at the airport and if a plane gets delayed or canceled because of weather, you know, people get pissed off. And, but in the back, back of my mind, I'm always like, maybe it's a good thing that we're not going. Then, then, yeah. that, that's the kind of doubt that I would be having in my mind at that moment. Like, God, I, I would rather have been late. Yeah. So the next thing Julian recalls was having wild dreams. One, she was stuck in a dark room. Another, she just remembers feeling incredibly dirty and like she wanted to take a bath. And then so she said she remembers telling herself, we'll just wake up and go to the bathroom and take a bath. So she made herself wake up. And then that's when she regained consciousness covered in mud and blood underneath the airplane seats in the jungle. Ugh. You said she was, uh, when she came to you, she was suspended in the tree? No, she was in the ground. Oh, she was on the ground. She was like oh. in her seat, like covered in the mud. Wow. Yeah. So she had a severe concussion, a fractured clavicle, and deep cuts all over her body and just battered in general. So clavicle's the, the collarbone. I, I, yes. I, that, <laughs> it, 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 I think it is. it is. Yeah, it is. It's either that or uh, uh, some part of your fingernail. <laughs> I think that's a cuticle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so she was also missing her glasses, and she could only partially see from one eye due to her injury. So she was didn't have great visibility. Ugh. But she went searching. The plane was nowhere around her, and her mom and the other passengers could not be found. So she was completely alone in the jungle. But thankfully... Julian was not completely out of her element. We can see her father was a biologist researching in Peru. So she had grown up with her family in a hut in the jungle. Oh, I guess that explains why she's like a German person living in yeah. Peru. Her, her father's a scientist of some kind who's living mm-hmm. down there working. Yeah, and she had gone to, like I think, a, a German private school, but still felt completely at home in the jungle. And because she was so well-versed in the Amazon jungle, she knew exactly how dangerous her situation was. It's almost a little worse. I know. Like, <laughs> knowing how bad it is, as opposed to going in blindly and be like, maybe I can survive this. Instead, yeah. you're like, oh, no, this is terrible. <laughs> uh, so 
After waiting for about a day, she decided not to wait for rescue and to leave her little crash site. Um, and she knew that if you're lost in the jungle, the most important thing is to find water mm-hmm. and not just for hydration. Thankfully, uh, she heard a faint trickle of water and discovered a small creek. And she knew that this creek could lead her closer to a river, which then could lead her to human civilization. Oh, so that's why I was going to ask why not just for hydration. It's so that she can follow the water to find more people. Exactly. Because otherwise you're just going to be wandering. I mean, this jungle is thick. Right. With two C's. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, she'd just be wandering forever in the woods. She's got to find, like, how do you find civilization? She has no idea where she is. It's in the middle of the jungle. Right. So, equipped with only a sleeveless mini dress, uh, one sandal, and a bag of candy that she found from uh, the crash, Julian began to trudge up that creek uh, with her head still pounding from the concussion. Like She's still injured. Yeah. I was going to say... Uh, maybe she didn't have enough clothing considering it was like Christmas Eve, but I guess if it's a rainforest in Peru, it's probably not very cold. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure. Yeah, she was in sandals and a dress, you know. I'm sure she probably wished she had better footwear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the first couple days, she could hear the wail of rescue planes circling above her, but there, I mean, there's nothing she could do to flag them down hidden under the thick jungle canopy. Right. And when the buzz of the plane slowed and then stopped altogether, she knew that there was zero hope for rescue. It was just her. She had to get out of the jungle. On her fourth day, she discovered a propeller blade and an engine from Flight 508. Then she found the bodies of some passengers. Mm. Still in their seats, just like she had been, but they were driven headfirst into the ground. Ooh, no, no good. Only their legs were visible. So... If it's been four days Mm -hmm. and she's finding a propeller and bodies at this point, either she's going really slow or this crash spread out over a very large area. I think uh, what happened is when she was sucked out of the plane, I think her little section must have been thrown somewhere. Further away. Yeah. Yeah. How gruesome to like come upon Mm -hmm. bodies that are just like legs sticking out of the ground. It's like something you would see in a horror movie. I know. It seems almost cartoonish. But yeah, I think she that was on the fourth days whenever she kind of came across the main wreckage or some of the main wreckage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, is she wanted to check to make sure that one of the bodies wasn't her mom. Oh, right. Oh, it was only legs sticking out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what she did was look at the toenail polish on the feet. Oh, my God. To make sure that it wasn't her mom, which is very sad. Yeah. But it was not her mom. I don't know if I'd even want to know at that point. I know. It's, Yeah. Especially when you're when you're four days in and you're hoping for any chance of survival and then that's right. what you find. Awful. So she continued to follow that creek until she heard a familiar cawing. Uh, it was the sound of some billy crested chickens. Billy crested chickens? I'm not telling you how to do your job, Chris, but I think for this week you should post a picture of a billy crested chicken. <laughs> All right, we could do that. Because it, it, she actually describes these chickens as her savior. Uh, because she knew that these chickens usually nest near water. And so she actually changed her course and headed towards the sound of the chickens, and she found a river. Oh, nice. And this is like still day four or so? Yeah, I believe day four. But she was far from safe. The river was teeming with crocodiles and venomous snakes. Mm -hmm. And the biggest danger was poisonous stingrays. 
they hide in the mud and attack if startled. So they're actually more... She knew this, too, because she grew up in the jungle. That's the biggest danger, these stingrays. Um, Because in her weakened state and with no medical help, I mean, even a small sting would undoubtedly kill her. Right. What I mean, does she have to get in the water? Is that like, I figure like if you stay out of the water, a stingray can't get you. Well, the problem with that is... um, it's so much slower to trudge through the jungle. I mean, this is, like I said, really thick. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's going through it is incredible. Like, takes a lot of time. You're, I mean, I think uh, in some of the research thing we thought videos, people had to, like, a machete just hack and hack and hack just to get through it. Also, she's more exposed to bugs. Also, oh, yeah, yeah. There's crocodiles on the riverbank. Well, there's crocodiles in the water, too, though. True. And she could just go a lot faster along the river. Another huge challenge she had was she was completely ravaged by mosquitoes day and night. Oh, yeah. So I guess getting in the water helps protect you from that. From that, yeah. And because, I mean, she was wearing a sundress and it was torn and it had basically zero protection from bugs or anything like that. And one of her cuts on her arm had actually become infested with maggots. Oh, God. And it was so bad that she feared that even if she did make it back to civilization, it might have to be amputated. Yeah. And she still had no food, and except for a small dwindling bag of candy, but she waded into the river, and whenever the water was shallow, she would use a stick to poke the mud in front of her to avoid the stingrays. And any time she passed crocodiles on the shore, they would dive into the river towards her. Right. But she knew that they were just likely startled by her and hiding, so she didn't panic or try and swim them away. Cowards. Yeah. <laughs> she just continued forward. Day after day after day, getting weaker and weaker and weaker. I wonder, like you, you've mentioned a couple times now that, you know, she was surviving. Her only sustenance was this candy that she found at the crash site. I wonder, two questions. I wonder, I, I, I doubt this information is not known, but it's like these are the questions that come to my mind. Is One, I wonder what kind of candy it was. And two, I wonder if she could ever eat that candy again for the rest of her yeah. life. I don't know. Like, I wonder if it, like, just triggers this memory for her. Like, imagine... If this was you and, you know, you were going through this and the only thing you had to sustain yourself was a bag of Snickers. And then you were like, for the rest of my life, I'm never even looking at a Snickers bar. Oh, yeah, because you couldn't eat it without thinking. Of, oh, man. Yeah. Well, she did say that uh, initially when she had a, a smushed cake uh, that they were bringing for Christmas. Mm-hmm. But this was like the very, very first day. And it was like so smushed and covered in mud that she just left it. Assumed no. it was like there wasn't anything. Then she said she really regretted that later because <laughs> it yeah. was, you know, she could have like probably gotten pieces of it. Well, imagine, yeah, like a cake has a lot of like sugar and eggs. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, calories in there. You can really yeah. power you. I've, I've watched a lot of TV shows where people like go out into the wilderness and they have to survive for a long period <laughs> of time. And that's like the thing, right? Is your like caloric intake, you know, being exactly. able to s- sustain your energy and, and to be able to travel. Yeah. And I think it was also that though, that first day, the craziness of, you know, everything where she just wasn't thinking about yeah. oh i'm gonna have to be out here for who knows how long right i mean yeah it's it's, it's easy to say that in hindsight you can say that yeah. about a lot of things right it's like in the moment you don't know yeah so before i tell you the rest of julian's story i want to take a break and tell you about a rather unique sponsor the jordan harbinger show which is a podcast that you definitely should be listening to if you like uh, black box down and i know that you get recommendations for podcasts all the time This is one you should definitely check out. Uh, Apple actually named it one of the best of 2018. And each episode is a conversation with a different fascinating guest. And there really is something for everyone here. 
in one episode, Jordan talks to a hostage negotiator from the FBI who offers techniques on how to get people to like and trust you, which sounds useful and kind of disturbing at the same time. Another good episode is the story of a cinematographer who discovered a lost city in the jungle and made one of the most important archaeological finds of the century. My personal recommendation would be the episode uh, From Jewel Thief to Honorary Cop. Uh, there's two parts for that one. It uh, chronicles the story of a gangster redemption, how America's most notorious jewel robber got rich, got caught, and got his life back on track, as well as Cat Burglar for Hire, which is about an ethical social engineer hired to smash security measures using psychology. I like those two because they're both in the true crime umbrella, like Black Box Down. We really enjoy this show, and we think you will as well. So just search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's The Jordan Harbinger Show. And you can also find it in the episode notes. Thank you, Jordan Harbinger Show. This podcast is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. Earlier this year, more than 100 Twitter users got their accounts hacked into. Passwords, email addresses, phone numbers, and more all taken from high-profile people like Joe Biden, Elon Musk, even Kanye West. Not surprised by that one, actually. These kind of attacks are getting more frequent and more severe. And it's not just Twitter. It's Facebook, eBay, Uber, Adobe, Yahoo. And that's why I use ExpressVPN to safeguard my personal data online. ExpressVPN is an app that funnels your data through a secure encrypted tunnel so that no matter what device you use, you can have peace of mind every time you use the internet. The app connects with just one click. It's lightning fast. And the best part is ExpressVPN works on up to five devices simultaneously so you and your whole family can stay protected. If a breach can happen to powerful individuals, it can absolutely happen to you. Protect yourself with ExpressVPN, the VPN rated number one by CNET, Wired, and countless others. And if you visit expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown, right now you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown. Visit expressvpn.com slash blackboxdown to learn more. Check them out. We definitely recommend it. And it's a great way to support our show by checking out our sponsors. And another great way to support our show is to check out the Black Box Down t-shirt. If you are listening to this on December 10th, 2020, today is the last day to get the Black Box Down t-shirt in time for Christmas. It's a great gift. Please consider checking it out. All these you can find in our show notes for the episode. Thank you. So, on the 10th day, she saw what at first she thought was a hallucination. It was a boat. Oh, wow. On the shore. She crawled up the bank of the river and found a small hut. And this, I mean, she said one of the hardest things was just getting out of the river at that point. She was that weak. Wow. And once she got inside, she passed out from exhaustion. So, she just made it to the hut and then passed out. Yeah. The next day, three lumbermen discovered her. Like lumberjacks? Uh, that's lumberman. Lumber, I don't. I don't know if lumberjacks is the exact. Okay. Because this is the Amazon. You know. I don't know if they have lumberjacks or lumbermen. They cut wood. <laughs> wood guys. Wood guys. They found her. Um, and they used gasoline to clean out her maggot-infested wound as Ooh. best they could. Um, because they're still not near a hospital. You know. Right. I mean, but it, it, the question I have is, 
did they have experience doing this to know to pour gasoline into it? Because that's a know. really weird uh, conclusion to come to if you don't know that that works. I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're a, a woodman out in the jungle, you might know these tricks. You know. True. By the way, I just looked it up. Lumberman is the plural noun of lumberjack. Oh. So lumberjacks is incorrect. If there's multiple lumberjack, it is lumbermen. Okay. Well, there we go. That's your grammar lesson for the day. <laughs> So they cleaned out the wound as best they could, and they traveled further up the river towards civilization in the canoe that she had seen. When they arrived at a small village, Julian was so ragged and her eyes so bloodshot that she said some villagers ran in fear from her because they thought she was a forest demon. Oh, wow. And then from there, she was taken to a hospital in Pacalpa, uh, where she was reunited with her father. Oh, wow. He must feel... Awful. I mean, well, I guess that's that's a relief to find her, but he must have thought that both her and his wife were dead. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, I guess, like 10 days later to find out that your daughter's alive and she's in the hospital. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, because they'd, they'd given up search at that point. They'd given up search several days. Mm -hmm. And circling back to the search effort, when it was discovered that Lance of Flight 508 had crashed, the authorities began the most extensive search in Peruvian history to that date. But... It was like Flight 508 had disappeared when it fell into the jungle. Like, no trace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I imagine, like, when you said, you know, there were planes flying over that she could hear. Like, I wonder if they could even see anything. If it, uh, that's, you know, I'm sure the jungle is so dense that they probably, you know, could only see, the, like you said, the tops of trees. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. And, and the plane had fallen apart in a lot of ways, too. So it's not like there was a big plane somewhere in the jungle. It was right. like pieces everywhere, scattered. You know, and it's just in the jungle so thick that as it falls, it just kind of like gets swallowed up. Mm -hmm. But thanks to Julian's assistance, the search parties were finally able to locate the crash site on January 12th. Well, so she was not only did she walk through the jungle for like uh -huh. 10 days, but then she was able to lead them back to where uh, the crash was. I don't know if she like went with them in a plane or in a helicopter or just told them. Oh, but yeah. I assume she probably just told them. She's probably too weak to go back out. Yeah, yeah probably at that point. But uh they only found it because she came out of the jungle. Right. Um, they were able to uh, find the body of Julian's mother. And tragically, it's believed that her mother and several other passengers had survived the crash, but died waiting for rescue. Oh, wow. So there were more survivors. That's, that's mm -hmm. crazy that that happened. Like, it seems like a one in a million thing that she survived this crash to begin with, but there were other people, but they just didn't get rescued in time. Yeah. And it's also, it might be, we couldn't find details on exactly the state of these survivors. They might've been not very well, you know, they not right. able to get up and walk away. It makes me think about an earlier episode we did that Japan airlines flight where people survived the crash, but it took so long for rescue to get to them that a lot of them perished overnight. Exactly. But then again, and how many, they probably all would have died. It hadn't been rescued. What? The next day. Right. You add two or three days and it's like most of these times, I think these injuries are so extensive that you can't just walk away. Right. Like Julia. She was the only survivor and she believes there were three ways that she might have survived this two mile fall from the plane. So in big thunderclouds, there are huge updrafts that blow wind up and she thinks it's possible that that helps slow her fall. Mm. She also remembers spiraling in circles as she fell from the sky. And you know how, have you ever seen those, uh, like a, a maple seed with a wing? Oh, yeah. It kind of like twirls. It twirls and it kind of like falls uh, slower. She thinks that that possibly could have happened with the seats and the, and the way it was spinning. That might have slowed some of her descent. Mm -hmm. 
Spoken like a true biologist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there were also, you know, obviously, as we mentioned, dense vines and trees in the jungle that probably caught the seats as it fell and kind of slowed her fall before she hit the ground. Yeah. Wow. Like, I, I think about how much it hurts when you just, like, trip and fall as opposed to, like, falling 21,000 feet. Like, <laughs> no, just falling, like, two or three feet. I'm like, ow, that really hurts. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't imagine. And then waking up and being like, I'm going to start a 10-day hike. Yeah, no. I don't, I, like, right now, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> like, even having yeah. full, like, not having fallen, you know, being at home, being fully rested. No, I, I don't want to yeah. walk for 10 days. Uh, so, Julian made a full recovery, and her amazing survival became an international story. In fact, in 1974, there was a, a movie uh, named Miracles Still Happen that was based off her story which uh, Julian is not a fan of. It's, she says it's cheesy, it's overdramatic, and it depicts her as a helpless woman stumbling into snakes and crocodiles. Uh, there's also a documentary made in 1998 called Wings of Hope. Uh, it's made by director Werner Herzog. Oh. Yeah. Who, coincidentally, was at the airport the same day and even tried to get onto Flight 508. After really? his flight was canceled. Yes. That's wild. I had no idea. I think that's part of the reason why he wanted to make that movie was because he, he felt a part of its story. Well, he wanted to make it about himself. Well, <laughs> no, I mean, he's it's very he's he's very, very because I, I watched it and it's very we got a, a lot of information from it, a lot of the quotes and, and a lot of the details about Julian's story through that. It's very respectful and well made. She also uh, published a memoir named Als ich vom Himmel will. And I'm sure I butchered that. Uh, that was published in March 2011. So still, that was pretty recent, fairly recent. Yeah. So what exactly happened to the plane? To tell that, we can have to go back to the history of Lanza Airlines. So Lanza was a Peruvian commercial airline that was established in 1963. Three years later, in 1966, Lanza had its first accident with Flight 501. This was a domestic flight between Lima to Cusco, Peru, on a Lockheed L-749 Constellation, carrying six crew and 43 passengers. Ten minutes after takeoff, the plane crashed into Mount Taloala at 12,600 feet, almost 30 nautical miles north of where the plane should have been. Everyone on board was killed. The probable cause for this accident was pilot error. It was determined that the pilot selected the wrong route to be flown and incorrectly calculated the climb performance of the aircraft in relation to its total weight at takeoff. Mm. So flew the wrong way, just messed up. Then, four years later, in August of 1970, Lanza had their second accident. Lanza Flight 502 was a passenger flight from Cusco to Lima, Peru, with eight crew members and 92 passengers. Shortly after takeoff, the number three engine in the Lockheed L-188A Electra lost power and caught on fire. The crew continued to climb and called ATC, declaring an emergency. They were cleared for an immediate landing. Uh, they attempted to head back to the runway, but the plane became completely engulfed in flames and crashed into the hilly terrain about a mile and a half from the airport. Everyone on board was killed except for one 26-year-old male who was found alive but seriously burned. Hmm. Tragically, there were also two farmers on the ground who were killed. And just to make things really depressing, many of the passengers on board were high school foreign exchange students. So just a bunch of kids. Yeah, awful. 
The Peruvian government investigated this accident and discovered evidence of a cover-up, including falsification of critical maintenance records by Lanza employees. Through this investigation, they found that the plane was way overloaded, crammed with luggage, and 10 passengers over capacity. Jeez. Yeah. I think the 92 passengers, 10 people over. That's a big percentage. Like it makes me wonder, like, were people standing? Who knows? In addition, the plane had not received proper maintenance procedures, uh, which is not surprising considering the mechanics who worked on it had previously only repaired motorcycles. Oh, God. Also, the pilots didn't have the proper license to fly that plane. So terrible all around. Terrible all around. Peruvian government fined Lanza and some of its employees, and the airline had its operating license suspended for 90 days. Only 90? Yeah. So that's why Julian was nervous about her flight when boarding, because that airline had such a terrible reputation. The plane for Flight 508 was likely not maintained properly as well, and the pilots did not have proper training, or they would have known not to fly into such a major storm with their plane. So, thankfully... On January 4th, 1972, Lanza lost its operating authority and the airline ceased all operations. So that's like right after this incident happened. I mean, because this was yeah. like a couple weeks later. Yeah, exactly. Flight 508 also holds the record for the highest death toll for a lightning-caused airplane crash. That's a, a dubious honor. Yeah. I do want to point out if anybody who's listening is nervous about uh, lightning hitting your plane that this normally is not the outcome uh i've actually been on a plane oh that got struck by lightning like the lightning struck right by where i was sitting oh you know gus the next thing in my in my notes at this point you can ask gus if he's ever experienced a lightning strike on a plane <laughs> <laughs> i was yeah i was on a i believe it was a Qantas flight i was down in australia and i was flying into brisbane and we hit a storm and i was in a window seat and uh lightning struck the window seat in front of me. So I was like right behind where the lightning hit. Like I, I could felt, I like, I felt warmth cut radiate off of it. Whoa. And then uh, we banked and then we had to circle to avoid the storm for a bit. Yeah. Uh, then we came in and landed. No big deal. Were you nervous? No. Cause I know, no, you know normally nothing happens. It's fine. It, like planes are designed for that. Um, yeah. Not really a big deal at all. So yeah. don't ever be nervous about that. Even if you get struck by lightning, I think, I think when it happened, to meet on the plane I was on, I was annoyed. It was like, oh, great. Now we're not going to like, the whole thing, like <laughs> now we're going to be delayed. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said earlier, man, maybe it's a good thing. Too. Yeah, yeah, of course. It, it turned out when we landed in Brisbane, that storm was particularly bad. I think it had knocked out power for most of the city. And when I was taking uh, the taxi to my hotel from the airport, I saw droves of people walking along the street and asked the taxi driver, what's up? And he said, that the subways were out of commission because of flooding and power outages. Oh my god! So like it yeah. was a it was a really severe storm, and still we were fine in the plane. So uh, like don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah. So I'm gonna exactly get into like why planes are safe from uh, lightning, and this is according to Boeing. Uh, lightning strikes are relatively common and rarely cause any significant damage that affects the safety of a flight. The highest probability of lightning striking planes is at the wingtips, nose, or rudder. And most of them take place at altitudes between 5,000 and 15,000 feet, which for most flights, that's that's not where they fly at. Yeah, it's a limited window of time you're there. Yeah, it's mostly landing and coming down. Most flights, I mean, are what, 20,000 feet and to 40,000, uh, right? You're between 35 and 40,000 is a traditional cruising altitude, unless it's a short flight, in which case you might be at around 20. Yeah. Obviously, uh, lightning strikes are more likely to occur when it's raining. 
During the initial stages of a lightning strike, a glow might be seen on the nose of wingtips. This glow is caused by the ionization of the air surrounding these structures, along with the increase in the electromagnetic field density. The plane is essentially charged, and when it meets a cloud that is also charged, a lightning strike occurs, and people on board may see a flash hear a loud noise when the strike takes place. It's like when you shuffle your feet on a carpet and then you touch your doorknob. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. I think that all checks out. I think I'm so. not a scientist. I'm, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but it, it seems right to me. So uh, when a lightning strike occurs, uh, the lightning travels through the exterior skin and exits out of another point on the plane, like the wing or the tail. Instruments on the plane might have a short interference and the lights might flicker. For more powerful strikes, there could be some damage done to electrically controlled fuel valves, generators, power feeders, electrical distribution systems. And lightning can also leave burn marks and holes on the exterior skin of the plane that will need to be repaired. But as you said earlier, normally nothing that would cause a crash. Right. That's because commercial airplanes are protected from lightning. Most of the external parts of the airplanes have a metal structure that is thick enough to resist lightning strikes. Uh, the thickness protects the plane's internal areas and the wiring from the el electromagnetic energy. It doesn't prevent all of the energy from entering the internal parts of the plane, but it's enough so that the wires aren't affected very much. Mm -hmm. um, for the areas of the plane that are most likely to be affected by lightning, they are protected by things like wire bundle shields, ground straps, wire mesh, foil lines, and coats of materials to help reduce the impact of lightning on the plane. So basically, they're, they've worried about it ahead yeah. of time to make sure it's okay. And so, yeah, when a lightning strike does take place, the pilots have a checklist that they use to determine whether or not it's safe to keep flying. And oftentimes, they won't even notice that they've been struck by lightning. <laughs> Did you feel that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then it's only figured out later by the technicians on the ground. So... If you're in an airplane, there's nothing to worry about when it comes to lightning strikes on aircraft. The problems from Lance of Flight 508 were bad training, bad maintenance, bad planes, bad decisions, bad everything. It's like we typically talk about on these episodes. It's like a cascade of failures lead to this yeah. incident. If a responsible uh, airline was running, they, they wouldn't have made those decisions that led to the crash. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's about it. I mean, that's the crazy story of falling from a plane and surviving i want to add one more thing to your story here uh so i tried to look up to see if he could stream wings of hope online and I, I can't find it anywhere it's on youtube it is oh okay i was gonna say oh YouTube. wait wait which one is that it's the werner herzog one yeah the werner herzog one is on youtube oh okay well if you want to i found you could also buy a disc from WernerHerzog.com for ten dollars <laughs> or for 10 euros i'm sorry actually it showed in the in the documentary it showed a little clip of the uh other movie that was made about her the drama or the, the mm -hmm. like fictionalized one it looks really bad of course it was like a woman screaming and falling into snakes like it's it's awful uh, but yeah um that's the story of lance of flight 508 we're gonna post some pictures on social so be sure to follow us at at black box down pod we'll have some pictures of the wreck the jungle i mean some of the crazy chris yeah the chicken. And the chicken. I want to see the chicken. We're going to post the pictures of the chicken, the savior chickens. Maybe not the actual chickens, but similar chickens. Similar chickens. And as always, please be sure to subscribe and give us a rating. That super helps us. And uh, tell them about Crash Simulator. Yeah, we got uh, some videos we do. We try to recreate incidents that we've covered in previous episodes using Microsoft Flight Simulator. 
uh, as best as we can. And it really helps give a perspective on it. I think Chris mentioned that now you can visualize how or contextualize how long it takes to uh, glide down from cruising altitude. Like you get a better feel for the amount of time things take. Yeah. And just the geography of some of these incidents and what it looks like. You can view those by going to roosterteeth.com and just search for black box down. There's also a link for those in the uh, episode notes and give them a watch. Um, the content that we have on uh, that's only on roosterteeth.com. It's kind of it's essentially like our Patreon. So going there and watching it and uh, supporting Rooster Teeth, it supports us and makes this podcast possible. Yeah. So uh, that's it. Uh for recommending this podcast, who should they recommend it to? What's something new? Uh, recommend it to anybody who's been to South America. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Or, or, or has a chicken. Anybody who likes chicken. Anyone who likes chicken, recommend it. Yeah, either petting them or eating them.